0: So somebody asked me one time, do you go to football games? Well, there's reasons why most pastors won't go to sporting events. If you didn't know that. I have 10 top reasons why pastors will not go to sporting events. You ready? Number one, the coach never came to visit me. you know where this is going? I know you do. I'm dangerous when I get on a cruise. And, you know, number two. Every time that I went there, they asked for money. The people sitting in my road, they didn't seem very friendly. The seats were uncomfortable. Wow. The referee made decisions that I didn't agree with. Some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. (laughs) <laughs> or to the on stockade. I didn't beat the baddest. You'll never beat them. They're there. The band plays some songs that I've never heard before. The games are always schedules on my days off. My parents made me go too many games when I was growing up. And last but not least, since I've read the book on sports, I feel like I know more than coaches do anyway. That's why pastors do not go to games. And it would shock you. That's why a lot of people do not attend the house of God. Psalms chapter 133, verses one and then three. The King James says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Yes. Verse three says it like this. Go ahead and show it. We, I want them. As the dew of Hermon, and as that dew that descended upon the Mount of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where? In a place of unity. Where does the Lord command blessing? Is where there is unity. Where there is unity, not uniformity. Uniformity is when you take peas, carrots, and, and boiled okra, and whatever you put in a stew and put it in a blender, and you grind it all together. It all looks the same. But unity is that every piece can keep its own individuality, form, shape, color, and you put it in the same pot. We're all different, but we're in the same pot. We look different. We taste different. We act really different. But here's the deal. We can be different, but we can still be in unity. I'm not asking you to be like me, my goodness. I'm not asking you to to wear certain clothes and uniforms. We're asking the body of Christ to come under the leadership and the submittedness of the Holy Spirit that we may come together in unity because this is why it's important. I don't know about you, but I need blessings in my life. And you're not going to find it at work. You're not going to find it at the coffee shop. You're not going to find it anywhere outside of the house of God where there is unity. The Message Bible puts it like this. It's a good translation. How wonderful and beautiful when brothers and sisters can get along. Wow. How about the words instead of wonderful and beautiful, how about a miracle and I'm shocked? (laughs) It's like costly anointing at all. Verse three says that flowing down the head and the beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down to the collar, his priestly robes. And it's like the dew of Mount Hermon, flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes. Where there's unity, that's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. Here's the deal. It says it right here. The greatest blessing that you and I could ever have is eternal life. You're hung up on, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And he's got that and she's got that. and I'm telling you, I'm blessed beyond measure. The flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of God endures eternal life. We, sh- we are eternally blessed because of eternal life. So <clears throat> this morning, the chief goal within this church or any church should be unity. And I will tell you, that's a lot easier said than done. Remember what Proverbs 4 and 14, where there's no oxen in the stall, the stall is clean. The more oxen you have, the more shovels and potpourri you have to have. Resolving conflicts among the saints. Two things. Have you ever noticed that the people who tell you to calm down are the very same people who upset you in the first place? <laughs> Where two or three are gathered in his name, you can count on one of them starting an argument. Now, this is not unusual for today because all through the scriptures, we find saints that just could not get along. Abraham and Lot, they squabbled over territory and they had to separate. Jacob and Laban, they deserved one another. They had continual conflicts over their business dealings and they had to separate. The disciples who constantly argued who was the greatest or the favorite among them and even Paul and Barnabas, had harsh and sharp words of disagreement that caused them to separate. I always talk about this in Luke 22. He comes, he's on the mountaintop. He comes back from the mountaintop. He's talking to them. He comes down, there's a boy that's possessed by a demon. And the Bible says these people prayed for them and prayed for them the boy still had a demon and put himself on the fire. And and here comes Jesus walking down. And Jesus says about two words and the demon was cast out. He comes out the mountain. They got a riot going on. The Greeks said, "There's a riot and a mob going on. There's arguing, fighting, fussing, and all this stuff." And so when they leave there, the disciples it says in private. The disciples ask them, ask him, "How come we couldn't cast the demon out?" And I know they were expecting something like this. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't. You didn't pay enough money. You 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 did things this week that wasn't accepted by God. He didn't. You know what he said? what was the conversation that you was having when I was coming down off the mountain? And you know what their answer was? They ducked their head and they said this, well, we were arguing over who was the greatest in the kingdom. I'm going to tell you something right now. We're living in a world that's hurting. Humanity is broken. Our government is upside down. I mean, the whole world is in a mess. All you got to do is turn on the news and Cartoon Network. It's the same thing. (laughs) But if we ever want to see anything done, we've got to stop this argument as who is the favorite and and who's the greatest among us. As long as we do that, we'll never see anything accomplished for the kingdom of God. We're all sons and daughters of God and we've all got to learn to get along and habitate and we all got to live under the umbrella of the divine scriptures, and in that, we don't have time to be ch- chasing fairy tales and fabrications of stories, of myths and legends. We've got to stay within the context. How straight, how narrow is straight is the gate, and narrow is the way. How narrow is that gate, and it's only the width of your Bible. That's how, that's how narrow it is. So we, in in this, we we find conflicts. The apostle Paul, he learned his lesson. He was wrong. He was wrong, dead wrong. They had an argument over John Mark, which was Barnabas' brother. And his name wasn't Barnabas. It means consolation or, or, or son of consolation. It means joyful. And they had an argument over John Mark. John Mark was a young man. They went to a city. They liked to kill him. And John Mark said, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going back home. And because of that, Paul was an old man. And he was sharp. And he said, he's not fit for the kingdom. And, Paul, and Barnabas said this. He said, you're being a little harsh on him. Don't be so rough on him. Your skin may be leather, but his is not. And they separated ways, but thank goodness they all come around in full circle. And even Paul said while he's sitting in prison, I was wrong. I was too harsh on the boy. Would you please ask him to come see me? I want to apologize and repent to him personally. Man, that's maturity. The two hardest words in the English language is this: "I'm sorry," or "You're right," but I'm sorry. Isn't it hard to come out of your mouth, especially when you're fighting? I'm sorry, and that just translates over into our spiritual walk. The hardest thing we can do is 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 we're living in a spiritual world that says, "I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry," it's me again. So what happens is we have we have different disagreements and divisions and all these things, conflict by definition. Webster says, it's a disagreement that produces friction between individuals. That's what it is. Conflict. Causes of conflicts are very numerous. I listed a few. You probably have your own. Different dogmatic opinions on religion. Clashing personalities. Not listening. Somebody said, what did he say? Yeah, not listening. Here's one. Hot tempers. Unreliable, undependable, and unreasonable people broken trust and a holier than thou attitude just to name the few. And if these and others that are related to these are not addressed and dealt with, then they will produce damaging consequences. The scripture in the New Testament calls conflicts strife. And by definition, strife means to quarrel, to argue or to have discord and if you don't know discord means, in the Greek language, it means to unravel a braided rope. So when we throw out words in the English language like there's discord among the brethren, well, what does that mean? That means a lot back then when written in scripture the discord means to unravel a braided rope. Remember what it says, two are better than one, and a three or four cord will not be broken, cannot easily be broken. It means whether it be a marriage or a friendship, that third fold is Jesus himself. And if Jesus is entwined in your marriage and your home and your friendship, I'm telling you, he didn't say there'll never be stress and strain. He just said it will not be broken. Because in any marriage besides mine, there's strain and stress. Mm-hmm. There's 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 difference of opinions, there's different colors, shapes, and, and if you're not careful, what it can do is that it can unravel the binding that God has tied this together. Case in point, different doctrines, different opinions, different beliefs. And if you're not careful, it can unwind the court of God. Matter of fact, it says, remember Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It is the word called kava, wait. It's kava. It doesn't mean like wait on the Lord, like I'm waiting. That is not what that scripture bears. Well, the word kava means to braid a rope. It is where we get a word for call off, to exchange strength. So we've, we've done this a thousand times. You can take a, a sewing thread here and I can break it easily. But if I take that same sewing thread and wrap it around an already braided rope, I can't break it. You see, God the Father is our strength. Christ is the strength of, of what we're doing. And by yourself and on your own, I'm telling you, you can be easily snapped in two. Some of you know that. Some of you are still wincing over that. Oh, I got this, God. And God said, you don't got anything. I always, I always joke about this. I went up to this convenience store years ago, and there was a truck and trailer out front. But there was a lady there that I thought it was a correction officer. She had a uniform on. And there was two questionable characters. Looked like they rooted for Kansas City. But they were just questionable. And I I thought what was going on, they were part of the gene Autry bunch. That's what I thought. So it was it was, it was two, two guys, and then her. She she wasn't very big, very tall at all. So I thought, well, I'll stand here for a minute, make sure everything's all right. And, and I got to watching her. Just she's trying to pay out, and, and she was doing this. And, and really, I'm not judging people. Well, sure I was judging them. I thought that I didn't know they was holding her up or holding the store up because I just walked in and, and she's shaking. And so I stood back a little bit and I said, I'm good. I'm, I'm thinking, I told the guy, I'm thinking. Well, she reached into her pocket and she pulled out a water of pills. And I said, are you all right? She said, yes, I'm the I'm the truck driver trainee. Well, no wonder she's a nervous wreck, you know? Well, what, what happens is that in, in the process of, of things on the side, we absolutely, we can come unraveled. Little by little. The strength, the strength of, of our success is not coming unraveled. And you can't do it on your own. And I'm just so glad you're here today. You you think you can, and you thought you could, but you figured out you couldn't. And that's why the Bible says, do not, it's a Greek word, do not forsake the assemblies, as some has done, to assemble components. You belong, you, be, you, you are called to belong as much as you are called to believe. And if you don't think you fit here, then go somewhere in the kingdom of heaven that teaches Jesus and and try to fit in. But you need to be a part of a local body that's functioning in unity and agreement. You need to, period. And and we're not all gonna agree that the chief should have won. Most of us know it was rigged, but we don't all have to agree with that. Some folks will go out of the way in the church to create trouble, especially in churches, where there's already unity and harmony. This is what our enemy does the best. Your enemy really and truly won't mess with things as long as they're divided. But it's only when there's unity and agreement where you move in. And Revelation 2 talks about this. But anyway, there's two scriptures. Proverbs 26 and 21 says this. A quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. Well, Proverbs 20 and verse three says it like this. It's a mark of a good character to avert quarrels, but fools love to pick fights. So people that used to come to my office all the time now that they try to stay out of it, but I said, is this really worth fighting? Is this worth a divorce? You wanted a pink Cadillac and she wanted a navy blue. Is this really worth going to a divorce court? Is this really worth this? Because you won the cat and she won the dog or I, I mean, is it real? And what you have to do is that the, the core of this is here is that we've got to come to a core value is you know what That's, that I don't have to be right all the time Amen. I want Christ to be right in my life, and he's taught me, we learned last week to have the mind of Christ to surrender and submit, and just because that, that the chiefs is not my greatest team, it doesn't matter. I want to celebrate that big old guy because his team One. You understand that? Not everything's going to go your way. So don't be a brat about it. (laughs) So here where we get to our sermon, on the surface in so many churches, there seems to be this, all kinds of debris that, that comes with division and dissension. I've always said it, and I'll say it till the day I die. That the salad bar going in is a lot different than the salad bar going out. Yeah. The salad bar is, is got some greens and some yellows and very tasty, but going out, it's not. People are sometimes different when they come in than when they go out. Ooh. I don't mean y'all because you're still here. But what happens is that, remember, people in your life comes with an expiration date. And like the good old carton of milk, the fruit of the cow, that's why they put an expiration date on that thing. And I encourage you, read it or you'll regret it. And there's some people that God has sent your way through the years and you can be friendly with and you can have, but, and you used to be together and whatever, but, but something happens and something changes. And, and, and so as the cow said, you know, the carton, it expires at this time, never take a friendship past the expiration date or you'll regret it. And so I, I truly believe that that people come and people go, and I understand that. But I truly believe that if, if you and I can be in agreement and harmony, there's joy, there, there's confidence, there's peace, there's security. And and even if you have all that stuff, maybe your neighbor doesn't have it. So bring them to church. One thing about here, you know what you're getting here. I'm going to sing two songs and I'm going to preach for about an hour. You already know it. And you still come back. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about us doing something goofy or or silly, or anything like that. We, we'll never embarrass you, really. So, the problem with division in the church, here's the problem. When you have division and dissension in the church, there's debris everywhere. It's everywhere. And I mean, they leave a foul odor on the way out. How I know that? I've been here for 38 years, started this thing. Further, I know. And we welcome you with warm welkings and we're awful glad you're here. You look and smell wonderful. So this really has nothing to do with you because you're here. But I'll tell you, whether it be relationships or friendships, but the problem is, is that when a friendship and a relationship breaks up, they are, there's debris. They want to dump trash all over you and your property. And it's pretty obvious some of you come from different churches. Because you wasn't here when I started. And maybe when you left that church, somebody said, well, of all the nerve, you'll go to hell because you went to non denominational Okay, I'll take my chances, but it's better than going to hell and living with you. You know, churches can be very demanding. I'll never demand you. I'm, I'm going to cut the fence and let you go. I really want to see what's in your heart. If I have to lock my wife up in the closet, and you come over and you hear yelling and screaming, I say, "Oh, it's just Gala. I have to lock her up in the closet." She loves me, though. Well, that's not really love. That's that's silence of the lambs, you know. That's that's not right. If I had to put restraints on you, if I have to monitor you and put cameras on you and watch you every step, I'm not the police. I'm just your pastor. But I have enough faith, and I have enough. Security in your walk—that we just let you go—and guess what? You know your way back. Amen. And if you have a joy, let's share it. If you have a concern, let's talk about it. If 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 you break down during the week, call me. Call me in Progresso. Call me. I'll talk to you. But the idea is this, that it's the freedom of knowing that you're a son and daughter of God. And because of that, we are not all perfect, but there's no sense of leaving debris everywhere you go. Because you've had relationships that does that, and it's very, it's very disheartening. Instead of people through the years just walking out and say, you know, I don't feel like I'm compatible with you. I understand completely. I'm different. Everybody say is different. I understand. <laughs> But instead of just doing that, then they got to post things on the website and right on the bathroom wall and be sure and spread a little. You know, so what I'm getting at in your life, this is not about me. There's nobody leaving the church as far as I know. Uh, but it, it's stuff that's happened to you through the years. Quarrels and conflicts. And the problem is you look around and they've trashed out your life. So the reason why this is very important, it's found in Acts chapter number 19 and verse 11. This won't take long. And so it says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So this is where he's working. He's making tents, of course. He's, he's working. He's not sitting around asking for a handout. I refuse to do that as well. He's making tents. And, and the Bible, this is the story. The Bible says because he's working, the people ask for aprons and pieces of his material, of his clothing, because they were taken it home, the people were healed because of just bits and pieces of his apron. And there's, there's a story behind that. We're not gonna talk about it. But we do know when he goes to Ephesus, just leave it right there. He goes to Ephesus 26 years after the resurrection of Christ, he finds his way to Ephesus. Ephesus, what little bit we know about this was began its birthplace in 40 AD and, and it was destroyed in 400 AD quarter of a million people. It was the largest city in Asia for commercial textiles and imports and trading near the Asian Sea. We know that. Ephesus had an inscription still there today. It says Ephesus, the gate where the West visits the East. So when he goes there, that he's he's combating all types of Greek mythological religions, And the best one was what we referred to as Artemis. She was the daughter of Zeus, the goddess of fertility. She was the overseer of humanity and animals. That was her title. And he had to combat with that. And matter of fact, if you don't know that, that, that Artemis, the temple of Artemis, the wonders of the world, but the temple of Artemis is really Diana. It was the Latin word. By the time the Romans got it, they changed her name to Diana. And, and by her definition, it means that if there is a statue of her, and we talked about this, she's fully breasted. The reason why is she is their supplier. Now, some of you are a good Bible students, so let's go back to that. I mean, there's, what I mean by fully breasted on this, the statue, we've showed this years ago. It ain't much to look at. I mean, she's a funky looking stone image, but she has about 14 or 15 breasts right here. Just, just simple things. And, and the idea was that she was the God of, of nourishment and supplier of creation, animals and man. That's why they worshiped her. Well, as you well know, in the, in the Old Testament, that the word El Shaddai, Amy Grant said it, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, and I cannot say the rest of that song, okay? But El Shaddai, one of the renditions and translations of El Shaddai was fully breasted. Now, in some of your inscriptions, you will read Almighty. Okay, okay. But El Shaddai, Shaddai, fully breasted. It means that God is the original supplier of everything that we need. Did you get that? El Shaddai. Whatever you need, God has the supply. He fully nourishes his people. In any way, shape, form, or fashion. Well, it's funny how the enemy can take something that's the title of God and lock it himself to it. Oh yeah, baby. So by the time Diana Artemis comes along, the daughter of Zeus, she self-labeled herself. She said, I am the new El Shaddai of the Hebrew. I'm the fully breasted one. I'm the one that is the nourisher of everything you need. And that's why they worshiped her. And they were steeped in the religion. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul went by and casted a, a girl out that had a spirit of divination that sold silver trinkets of Diana. And I mean, it caused a whole uproar where they booted him out for that. Like you kill him. Don't touch my God. Woo, I was raised in that Baptist church. Don't you say the word Baptist up there, buddy. Don't you talk about him. Oh, I've had people get mad because I named names. I'll name them. If they're goofballs, they're goofballs. If they're, if, they're, if they're contorting the scripture and contorting what God said, I, why not name them? Paul named them. Let's no guess. It's like somebody says, I need I have a prayer press. All right, let's have it. Well, no, I, I'm not going to tell you. I just want you to pray. That's nuts. What do you want me to pray about? I don't know if you may pray about your grass grown or if you got an ingrown toenail. Talk to me here. Help me here. Communication. It's like Daddy and Sherry. How many years y'all been married? Fifty-one. 51. On their fiftieth anniversary, Daddy told Sherry, "He said, instead of taking you out to eat, I'm going to go play golf with the boys." She goes, "Fine." I'm telling you right now, she didn't really mean fine. <laughs> so it is. It is the turning of what Paul. And we know for a fact, if you don't know this, when he goes to Ephesus. You talk about steeped in false religion tradition. Ooh. And for two and a half years he met in the school of Tyranius in this in this passage. Tyranius was a medical school, it's a mortuary. This is where he got the story of the, the bones, the, the piece of the, the, the body of Christ. He talks about the parts of the body of Christ. He got that there because there was a cadaver, a skeleton hanging in the back. And he said, now I understand how this works. For two and a half years, here's the deal, we go on. For two and a half years, he disputes, what's this, the kingdom of God. And the word dispute means arguing, butting heads and standing his ground. I just shudder today that, that we, we're really running out of men and women that really will stand their ground for the principles of the word of God. Ooh. 20 years ago, we had them. We had Billy Graham. We had, you know, Charles Stanley. We had all these men that really, really were great proponents of the scripture. And now then we just have a sense of a melting pot of, of just whatever you want to do. I told, I told Neil and Janice that there was a big minister on TV that said this. I mean, big, big mega churches. He said, today Jesus draws circles instead of lines. One is inclusive and one is exclusive. I'm telling you right now, I, I'm not that guy that draws circles and say everybody's welcome and everybody, all y'all is in free. I'm the guy that says, as it was in the Old Testament, there's still lines being drawn. And I'm not the line. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the icon. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but I will tell you, it is the word of God, it is the standard of the deity and the holiness of Christ that we still have to submit and surrender to. That's it. And so the apostle Paul did that for two and a half years. He disputed what? The kingdom of God. Read it. He disputed the kingdom of God. And he and he basically told them, This is all, this is all. This will all come to an end. And he did. So so anyway, that's kind of what he's doing in Ephesus, and the religion was there. So the These two cities, we know this, but the special miracles that was used, they had a particular word, it's called extraordinary. And so I asked the question, what makes these miracles so special? And it was their geographical locations where they were performed. So when you see this word in the English or in King James, you're gonna see this extra or special miracle. You're gonna think that it was because of the aprons and it wasn't. Now you're going to disagree, but it's okay. You're going to get to heaven. and The Lord said, He was right. You shouldn't have gotten mad about it. The word special, it means the location of where the miracles were taking place. Because the last place that ever you would think that a miracle of God could happen would be in Ephesus. There were two cities in the New Testament that were both noun and verbs. One is Ephesus and one is Corinth. These cities were most known for their degradation and depravity. They were open sewers of sin, yet God chose to use these cities as a backdrop to prove a very extraordinary method. So when Paul went to Ephesus in his journey, when he left Iconium where they busted his head and he was dead, he died. Luke, his best friend, which was a doctor, pronounced him, the, the King James says, supposing he was dead. The word supposing is a Greek word called namizo. When they stoned him, a rock hit him right in the head, and he fell over backwards, and Luke, his doctor, said, he's dead. Supposing, namizo, where we get a word for law. He's a doctor. He knows. And and in that period of time is where he ascends and sees into the third heaven. He sees dreams and visions and he sees the reality of heaven. It is at that place in Iconium. And for however long he was out, I don't know that. It doesn't say, but it said the disciples prayed And in that period of time, he come back to life and immediately the same people that killed him, he wanted to go back in there and witness. And how is that possible? Because I will tell you, when you really know that heaven is real, this afflictions of this earth will not matter. And how do I know it's real? But by the Holy Spirit. That's how I know. I wasn't there when he crucified. So how do I know? Because the Holy Spirit was there. If the Holy Spirit lives in me, He makes that valid in my life as if I was there. So this morning, the reason why this is so important, when Paul pulls up to Ephesus, it's, it's not really funny, but you go to these places that we sail to and, and the docks are pretty clean. But you get off the beaten path and they throw their trash everywhere. Washing machine, tires, laundry, dirty, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They just throw it on the street, right there. I mean, right there. I don't mean like pieces of gum. I mean stuff as big as that piano. And when Paul, when Paul, there's, you understand there, there, there there's a, there's a metaphor. There's a spiritual meaning to what I'm about to tell you. When Paul pulls up to Ephesus, the debris is everywhere. Anytime that there is a, a coastal town or, uh, a place where there's ships and, and 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 traffic comes in. I will tell you, there was no waste cans, or there's no sign that says, "Don't mess with Texas, don't litter." There's, it's not there. They just throw their trash wherever. And the apostle, Paul, he likens this word in just a moment. I'm going to tell you, when he pulls up, he said, "There is debris, there's filth, there's scum, there's trash." There's this. The Ephesus is a horrible place because of all the filth and debris. It's horrible. And the spiritual ramifications is even worse. I mean, we have open orgies. I mean, we got all, we're not even going to talk about it because this is the g G-rated sermon, but we got everything and anything because she was the goddess of fertility and that was promoted and encouraged. Are you paying attention to me? SEX was the, the number one goal on everybody's mind because she was in charge of that. And he said, when I, when I got here, I, up on the, 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 the banks of the waters, there's filth and debris and trash and rubbish. And just the shoreline was just polluted with junk. And that's the way it was spiritually. But the Bible says that he said this. It says this. Special miracles is a Greek word called intercano. And intercano by definition means this. It means to sweep the shores. To clean the beaches. How long was Paul in Ephesus? Two and a half years. Say that with me. Two and a half years. When he got there, it was a dirty, nasty, unpleasant, unwanted place, especially for a man of God. But God sent him there. And and when he got there, he said, I was expecting... A hand clap, I was expecting a four-story house. I was expecting a limo or a cow with golden, I mean, a camel with golden hooves. I wasn't expecting trash and debris. And everywhere he went, there was conflict. Everywhere he went, there was arguments because they were not submitting to God. And so the word intercondo means to sweep the beaches. Now, the way this is done, and some of you do and do not know, but here's, this is why it's so important this morning you understand the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, I don't know anything about it. Well, sit down and pay attention, class. Intercono meant the tide. It was the power and the current of the undertide. Intercono means the tide has the ability to come in, and sweep the beaches. There is a topside and then there's an undertide and the undertide current is much stronger than the top one. And Paul sat there and he wrote this and, and, and he gave this great thought. He said, when I got here two and a half years ago, trash and debris was everywhere spiritually But while I was preaching the kingdom of God, little by little, the Holy Spirit, unseen, unnoticed, and undetected, the undertide was cleaning the beaches. Today, right here, right now, on the shores of your life could be a landfill that others have dumped their trash upon the hearts and your minds they said, I do, down here, and they did not. The love boat turned out to be the Titanic. Your Prince Charming turned out to be a toad. You had friendships that went wrong. You had relationships that were torn apart. And in that process, your mind and your heart, even right now, is still a landfill of their unkind words and their broken promises, and their hateful gestures. Some of you have been abused and misused and mistreated. As sons and daughters of God, some of you this morning, absolutely that that you committed your life to Christ and you you got involved with the wrong people and the wrong crowd, and before long, they dumped all of their trash in your heart and your mind. And and you look around and you see the debris of dissension and all this division, and it's it's a mess. And that's why that you can't get along with the person beside you, and that's that's why you can't get along with any church. Is because right now at this moment, your mind is so filled with the landfill of hurtful words, hurtful language hurtful actions and you just can't get past it. Somebody in church hurt you, congratulations, welcome to the crowd. But the good news is this, in Tucano, the Apostle Paul said, I may not can change the whole city of Ephesus, but for two and a half years, the Holy Spirit began to do something that was unnoticed under the surface. He began to sweep the beaches and wash the shores it's the invisible work of the holy spirit in your life right now that motion to sweep the debris out of your life to clean your life up, to give you rest peace and unity the reason why sometimes it's hard to connect and have unity with someone besides you because number one someone has broken trust in your life i understand that with every head bow this morning but this is what I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit's at work in your life right now when you come into these doors you come into a sanctuary you didn't just stumble into a church meeting you stumbled into a place where God is honored and his word is declared and his love is poured out this morning that I'm confident that every one of us that we need to post up signs from now on this is my property this is my mind, this is my emotion please quit dumping your trash on me I want the beaches to be swept, I want the shores to be clean and right now by the Holy Spirit there is an undertide at work in your life and you're not even aware of it that this painful past and these, these hurtful words and these things has happened to you that has, has hindered you from becoming in, in, a, in a unified process with the body of Christ, these things are being carried back out to the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered. Simply, I wanna tell you what my job is here My job is to promote the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is being preached, then the Holy Spirit begins to sweep the shores of your life. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ this morning. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper. If God is with you this morning, then who in the world can be against you? God commands his love towards us that while we as his own were yet sinners, that he died for us. Let the Holy Spirit for the next 30 seconds just sweep the shores of your heart and mind. Let it remove the trash and let it remove the debris of hateful words and unkind things and everything that's happened that's happened to you that try to hurt you and damage you and clog up the filters of what God wants to do in your life. The Holy Spirit right now is the undertide. And just let him wash you. No matter what the surface tide brings in, the undertide is greater than the overtide. God, you are our peace. You are my rest. A thousand will fall at my right side and 10,000 will fall at my right hand, but it will not happen to me. The very people, Father, this morning that tried to hurt and stop and The very people that is in our lives that came to pollute and divide and dump all of their debris in our hearts and mind this morning, we ask by the Holy Spirit that you just pull it back out and take it where it's no longer remembered that we'll worship you and we'll honor you and we can worship with one another in unity. And there, that's where the blessings are. And Jesus' closing prayer in John 17, he said, Father, I pray that these right here, they will be one as you and I are one. And that's my prayer for this small church. is that God will clean the beaches and debris out of your life that we can serve him in unity and oneness as we declare the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say, amen. Can I ask you a question? Are you better off today than you was when you first walked in the door years ago? And the answer is yes. Oh, I knew you when you first came in here. Boy, you were a rat. But you know what happened? Little by little to your unbeknownst that the Holy Spirit was cleaning your beaches and washing the shores. And you are who you are today because of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life and here we go it's a special miracle anytime that virgil gaither can be saved and born again and filled with god's spirit that's pretty special because i've known him his whole life so god's not through working his special miracles will you agree You may turn to somebody this morning and say, you know what, you're the last person on earth God will change, but I will tell you, he's still in the business of working special miracles. And you're looking at one front and center. I'm so glad for that this morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning because the Lord is worthy. Turn to somebody and say, hey, I knew you when you first came and I'm telling you what, you're really you're really a lot better now than you was when I first met you. And if you're not there yet and we're not there yet, we just keep allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and wash us on a daily basis. If our communion service will come, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. We celebrate it every week because we've been commanded to Now, so for some of you that are visiting this morning, I, I, I say this from time to time. I was raised in a Assembly of God church and I'll tell you, they, we took it once a month, I guess, and boy, they hammered you. When they got down to this scripture, because we have no recollection outside of the Apostle Paul. But he said, if any man, let a man examine himself. Dr. Mezzo, let a man examine himself. And if any man take this cup or this drink this cup or eat this bread unworthily, he'll heap damnation upon himself. And boy, we were scared to death. Ooh, boy! I started going down the list, and I wouldn't go until I figured out what unworthily meant. In Axios, it's your own worth. If any man takes this cup or eateth this bread in your own worth, you are separating yourself from God. Listen to me. None of us in here are worthy. There's only one that's worthy. Amen. And the only one that is worthy has invited us to come and eat and partake of the cup. And because of that invitation, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm coming. When the dinner bell is ringing, you can do what you want to. I'm going. So now that we celebrate Holy Communion, not in your past performances. But we celebrate Holy Communion because of what Jesus has done. And that night he sat with his disciples and he He took the bread and then he broke it. And he said, as your fathers had manna that was poured and bread poured down from heaven, they did eat, but they did hunger. But I am the bread of life. And if any man eateth me, he'll never hunger again. And he broke the bread. And remember, I told you, he left us in peace and not in pieces. And then he took that cup, which was the third cup, the cup of redemption. He lifted it up and he, he said, this cup is symbolic of redemption of the lamb's blood that was taken and placed in the shape of a cross over the doorpost. And when the death angel, the Abaddon was referred to, would pass over that home that had the blood upon the doorpost. He said, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John 1 29. And my father will now take my blood. In the shape of a cross, and if any man believes in me, the death angel shall pass over him as well. Whosoever takes this cup and any of this blood, remember me. And that's all we're doing this morning. Remember the goodness of Christ. My charge and command for you this morning is this is the deal. I pray that the Holy Spirit will wash the beaches in your life. It'll clean the shores of the debris that other people has dumped in your life that you may come and worship God with a whole mind, whole heart, and whole spirit, and we can worship together in unity. That's what this is all about. Father, bless this cup. Bless this bread in Jesus' name. Amen.